0: Hello, Um, this is something that you're probably not used to seeing at the start of our YouTube videos, but unfortunately you're seeing this because there is an issue uh, with the podcast. Um, Basically, at the start of our um, recordings for the podcast, we record a backup file um, where you can see all three of us at the same time. And we also record a uh, the, the go-to file, which switches between all three of us, uh, which is what you're used to seeing on the podcast. Unfortunately, there was a miscommunication between Will and Trent at the start of the podcast, and they both recorded the, um, the one where you can see all three of us at the same time. Now, um, we are going to be uploading that, uh, mainly because we want to keep to the aesthetic that has been going on throughout. Um, the previous episodes of us popping up whenever we speak we feel like it's something that really works um so unfortunately this week it's only going to be audio on the youtube video nothing will change on the spotify um front um so yeah um we hope you can forgive us this will be um something that won't happen again we'll make sure of it um, we're still in the early stages of this podcast um so hopefully you can forgive us uh but yeah um we still hope you can enjoy the podcast uh, thanks for understanding and enjoy Hello and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Our View on the 92 podcast. We're delighted to join you again um, after being a day late last week. But we hope you can forgive us It sometimes things happen um, that we can't really um, help. But yeah, we're back again. Um, here to talk about the Premier League Championship um, and, and the lead Two playoff final, which literally just happened. We waited to record until after um, the playoff final happened because we thought it would be a massive talking point. And we couldn't really leave it out if we're putting the episode out on the Tuesday. Um, so, Will, I'll go to you first. How are you, mate? You feeling okay?
1: Yeah, really good, mate. Yeah. I really liked last week's pod. I thought it was the best one we've done so far. Probably because we've got actual football to talk about, I guess. But yeah, really good. And I'm excited to talk about more football now because there's so many, so much more talking points. So much football has
0: happened since. Yeah, exactly. Trent, how are you feeling? Okay. Yeah, great. As Will said,
2: like I said, there was um, some great results to talk about last week. And there has been again this week and... Like I say, we've had a lovely week of weather. We're all sat here looking a bit more red than usual. Um, so, yeah, I'm
0: all good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've still sort of got the the sunburn from last week, but it's a new one because we went out today again, me and Will, and again got burnt playing football. But it wasn't our fault this time. The, the clouds were overlooking the field and we thought we were fine, but apparently not. Uh, but, Trent, I'm assuming you had a great week because it was actually your birthday last week.
2: It was. It was the hottest day of the year on my birthday as well, like, I say, last Wednesday. And the day after as well. It was, um, like i say, nice to get outside in the, in the sun. Had some family over, had some friends. It was a lovely couple of days. I ordered the sun in for it.
0: <laughs> exactly. I bet. I bet you had a few drinks as well. Any any good stories to tell us on the podcast about your birthday? Or...
2: I certainly had some drinks, but there want any wasn't anything too messy. Want anything too messy? But like I say, it was just a just a good week really. Like I say, because of the weather, and some uh, like football over the week as well. Just a perfect week really for for it.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant Well, we'll we'll get straight into the football Because there's actually a lot for us to talk about this week um, But just before we do, I feel like I have to mention The Twitter is at Alview 92 YouTube is Albie on the ninety two, As well as the Spotify and the Anchor um, Episodes every Tuesday uh, Well, apart from last week But hopefully we can stick to it from in on outwards Liverpool, Premier League champions After a 30-year wait Finally, the Premier League title is returning Or, well, arriving at the red half of Merseyside um, there's an interesting stat about it actually um, they're actually the earliest team to win the Premier League in sense of games uh, seven games remaining from the final game of the season but they're also the latest team to do it um, obviously because of coronavirus they've won it in June um, Trent I'll come to you Liverpool Premier League champions tell me what you think about it
2: It's been a long, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's absolutely brilliant for Liverpool they completely deserve, they've been remarkable this season um, I know I mentioned last week about uh, the Centurions. The, the other week about the Centurions and the and the uh, the Arsenal side. But I think this Liverpool side is remarkable in all areas of the pitch. And like I say, it's been it's been a long time coming. They're a brilliant side. There's a funny thing the other day, actually, about um, about Jurgen Kloppy, uh, a reporter mentioned about the Guard of Honour that clubs would have to to give them, and he wasn't even he wasn't even aware that that was a thing. So uh, obviously they're going to have to go on for the rest of the season. But now Liverpool have been remarkable, even over the last few years the trophies that they won in the Champions League. Um, Super Cup and now the Premier League that's what all the fans wanted and fully
0: deserved. brilliant side yeah brilliant side Will I mean have you got anything to say about this incredible Liverpool team
1: yeah yeah amazing They, they deserve it I mean how many close calls have they had even in our lifetime so many so many and they deserve it this season more than any I think it was obviously a weird way to do it but I don't think you'll see any Liverpool fans complaining about it. I mean, that night they won it when... Uh, well, I'm sure we talk about it, the Chelsea-Man City game. I didn't feel any sort of... not. I don't hate them because I'm less of a fan nowadays, but I was just kind of... I was actually kind of happy for them because they're actually a really likeable group of players, I think. Really, and obviously, the manager is hard to dislike as well. So, yeah, I was generally quite happy for them and obviously, they deserve it.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the dynasty that Jürgen Klopp has built at Liverpool over the past... Five years, four years that he's been at the club is unbelievable. The players he's brought in, the group mentality he's made, how how they are as a team. It's, it's unbelievable. The football they play is unbelievable. But the real question is, do you think they can go on and do it again next season? Will? I
1: don't see uh, any reason why not. I mean, they're a fantastic side. You know, I don't think too many of their players will decline within the next year. They're so well drilled in the system they want to play. I think obviously teams will improve. I think you see the likes of City, Chelsea really improve next season. But there is no reason. I don't think they'll dominate in the same way. But there's no reason why the Liverpool side can't make it two leagues in a row for me. I don't know about you, Trent.
2: No, I I definitely think they will. Well, not definitely, of course. There's no givens in football. But Liverpool will, for me, like say, it's it's a bit up in arms of what will happen with City. Will players leave, Dependent on this Champions League thing? I can't see too many leaving, but... Maybe some big names. Chelsea, of course, been been thrown around in the mix over the last few days. People speaking about them with the the summer signings they've been making. But I just don't see anyone on Liverpool's level right now. Of course, uh, both in it in the Champions League competition and in the league, they've blown them both out of the water. And. um, just, just Klopp in general, like as Theo mentioned a minute ago, how much respect he's got from the players. I've seen in the inter- four or five players come out in the interviews, and they have just got such admiration for Klopp. And he's built such a winning mentality there, and he's such a likable manager as well. Like how galvanised he gets them, how how much he's got the fans behind him. He's literally got the whole of Liverpool behind him and buying into his ways, and it's it's great to see for Liverpool really.
0: Yeah, Jurgen Klopp is an incredible manager now. He's won, the, he's won the Bundesliga twice with Borussia Dortmund. He's won three domestic German cups as well as the four trophies that he's won at Liverpool. Now, he's also done this with clubs that, when he took over, um, they weren't, you know, the Bayern Munichs, they weren't the Man Cities. He's taken teams like Borussia Dortmund and Liverpool from mediocrity in, in respect to the achievements that that club won uh, from the past and has, you know, brought them back to their glory days in a sense. And I think it's absolutely incredible. I mean, in general, Jurgen Klopp, where would you rank him in terms of current managers, Will?
1: Well, yeah, first of all I wanna say, like, this is without doubt one of the best rebuilds in history for me. I mean, he's taken the club when he took Liverpool over. I mean, they were or if you, you'll remember, they were, you know, sitting in mediocrity. They had that Rogers season, which they were like, not laughing stocks, obviously, in respect to the whole thing, but they were they were in a really bad place. They were so dismantled. And he's, you felt, as soon as he came to Liverpool, you felt something change. It was weird. Even when they, I think they finished eighth or seventh in his first season, but you still feel like, slowly but surely, they were, he was sort of embedding this sort of winning mentality. And he's done an incredible job. I mean, even like, you know, just missing out on the Prem, then winning it, and then just missing out on Champions League, then winning it. He's instilled such, such a great mentality. And in terms of where that relates to him in management, he's, at the minute, he's probably got to be the best manager in the world right now, you'd say. Maybe not in overall in terms of the trophies he's won, maybe the longevity he's had at some clubs, but it's hard not to put him number one for me right now.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because maybe a year ago or just before the Champions League was won for Liverpool by Jürgen Klopp, a lot of people would have said Pep Guardiola is first. Would you say that, Trent, or would you say Jürgen Klopp? No,
2: I'd agree. I'd say Jurgen Klopp personally. I think I don't, I don't always buy into the things that people knock Pep down for, saying he's, he's only had money, but I, I do look at that in a sense. I think Jurgen Klopp, like say, when he's gone in, he's, he's been brilliant. Like in the first season, as Will said, they finished a bit lower, but you could always see it coming along. They started playing better football, but they, they, they've spent money, but they haven't spent loads on certain players. He's, he, he's improved all the players he's brought in, and they've turned into such a fantastic side, as I said earlier, across the whole pitch. And like I said, players like Alisson, when he came in, he, he, he was expected to do well, but he's turned into, what, definitely in the top three goalkeepers in the world now. He got got in the team of the year, didn't he? And, um, yeah, just overall, in, in all aspects, I think Jurgen Klopp, for me, right now, has to be the best in the world. And with him being such a likeable character as well, like if I was to choose any manager that I want to have, uh, it'd be him.
0: Yeah, you're right. He just seems like the perfect man to play for, Jurgen Klopp. Everything about him, his personality... You know, his persona, just the way he builds teams, his tactics, they just, it really seems like the perfect mix, especially for a club like Liverpool, who always, you know, historically play proper in-your-face football, um, really attacking whilst keeping um, a decent defensive record. He's really brought that back to Anfield, and I think it's, it's incredible what he's done. In terms of the team he's built, you, you could say it's a near to perfect, um, starting from the back line to the front three, the way they work as a team. Um, you look at the back line; they've got um, the scouser in the team, Trent Alexander-Arnold, which I think really gives Liverpool a what's the word? Like they, it really gives Liverpool a, a dynamism. Name. And yeah, yeah, it just it, it just really you know having a scouser in the team for Liverpool, I think, is very important. Um, really drives them on. You know, you've got Jordan Henderson sitting in the middle in the middle, a real leader. Um, everything he's built there is just incredible. The front three, the back line. You know, I mean, you look at the back line from when he took over. The amount of sloppy goals they were conceding and he's turned them into the best in the world. You look at that back line of Andy Robertson, Van Dijk, Joe Gomez and Alexander-Arnold and it's just, it's unbeatable. Three out of four of them got into the into the final team of the year. I think what he's done there is just unrivaled. And I'd also agree, I think he's, he is definitely the best manager in the world. Um, as As we rank him as the best manager in the world, what would you like to see Jurgen Klopp do next? Would you like to see him stay and build a dynasty at Liverpool? Or would you like to maybe see him move on to international management? Germany um, it has been heavily linked to be his next club if he does leave Liverpool. Um, or would you like to see him try maybe a Real Madrid or a Barcelona? like? Because, you know, I mean, he's taken over big names, but not already built teams. Would you like to see him do something like that, Trent?
2: I personally think right now with Jurgen Klopp, you can just see in all of his interviews, such a happy character and he's, he, he loves the job. At Liverpool, he's an emotional interview when they won when it. And you could tell he loves the club. And if I were him right now, he's, he's, he's managing the best team in the world. He's built that team up and he may as well stay there and continue to, to try and conquer England across the FA Cups, the Premier League, keep trying to win as many Champions Leagues as possible. Because right now, when you think of who's going to win the Champions League at the start of the year, Liverpool are one of the first names you think of. And City, I just remember City that over year, whenever you looked at a game that City were playing, you thought, away from home at home yeah they're going to win that and that's exactly what i thought with liverpool this year no matter how hard the game is you look at it and you still think yeah they should they'll, they'll win there or they, they should win there and it's just such a fear of playing especially at anfield and uh, uh, jürgen klopp like so it, it, who knows what he'll do in the future but i think for the next few years definitely should stay there and continue
1: building on from what he's already done
0: well would you like to see jürgen klopp stay and build build a dynasty at liverpool
1: yeah, I think for the meantime, if we're talking short term, he should definitely stay. I mean, I think what would make him a proper Liverpool legend and really cement his place in the history of football would be getting more titles than Man United, which is, I think they're two away from. That would probably cement him as, no doubt, one of the best managers ever, if, if he's arguably not already. And I think, obviously, we are saying he's the best and I think he deserves that, but he's only won one Premier League. I'm not saying that's a bad achievement by any means, but if he won it a couple more times and maybe a Champions League on that, side, not an easy task, I know. But you wouldn't put it past him. I really think he should stay. And if he creates a sort of dynasty, I don't know if you're talking like Alex Ferguson sort of. Is that what, is that what you mean by that?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's quite... It's quite... You know, it's, it's a fantasy almost trying to mm-hmm. say he should stay for as long as Sir Alex Ferguson and win as much as yeah. Alex Ferguson. But similar to, you know, a bit shorter. But. Yeah, he he doesn't... Yeah, he doesn't
1: strike me as a man who will stay. That well, Obviously, you're not talking that long, but even beyond 10 years I'd say I feel like he likes to jump around teams I feel like he would love to manage German national team I feel like I could definitely see that happening at some point could maybe see him even trying to Barcelona that would be something wouldn't it because he's usually come to teams that need a rebuild and if he already had the sort of team there you think
2: you just have what on to earth? Think, you just have to think about how messy would play under Jurgen Klopp's coaching
1: yeah unbelievable yeah because sorry just going back to an earlier point I want to like sort of elongate your point even the, his player development is just on un, it's unbelievable if you go through that Liverpool team and talk about when they first came to Liverpool when they first came into the hands of Klopp they were all decent but they none of them were world-class Salah even came from Roma and he was viewed as you know a, a, not a bargain sorry a flop Van Dyke they were laughed at for 75 mil and he's made them absolute world-class players every Henderson Henderson was like no one rated oh. Henderson laughing stock. Yeah. Why is he starting for England? He's now become one of the best centre midfielders in the premier league. If not the world, he works so hard. He's brilliant. And the back line van Dyke, allison he's made them all world class. And it'd be interesting to see if they move, which I why would they, if they'd be as good as they are. Cause I feel like they all work in a system so well that he's built.
2: We mentioned Trent earlier. And um, like I say it was him as well like when Trent's come out in his interviews he he, Klein was injured at the time Trent's come into the team and he's been he's best fullback in the world right now without a doubt in my opinion and like I say he came into the side when he was 18 and he's just built on that ever since and the rest is history really like so we've got an English right back playing in the city that he's from and like I say that's probably obviously you can't knock Trent's ability himself but Klopp's put him in the team a young 18 year old while Klein was injured and he's he's relished the chance
0: yeah, I remember when Trent first made his way into the team um, because Nathaniel Klein was at Liverpool at the time. A, a decent fullback. obviously nothing revolutionary, but he, he was a very good player um, for Liverpool standards at the time. Um, and I remember Trent coming into the team and I was thinking, why? Because out of all of the, the positions that Liverpool needed filling at the time that Trent came in, right back wasn't really one of them. Nathaniel Klein was was a very good player uh, for Liverpool. Um, but ever since he, he's come in, he started and he's kept that position. And it's, it's clear to see why. Um, but yeah, with, with the player development, you talk about Andy Robertson. Uh, there's this famous tweet that goes around about, you know, how eight years ago he tweeted out, has anybody got any available jobs while he was playing for a second division Scottish team? And, you know, Jurgen Klopp saw him at Hull and he already got to the point where he was at Hull. Fair play to him because he's, he's a very good player. But then Jurgen Klopp took that from Hull, an eight million pound left back, and has turned into probably the best left back in the world. It's it's incredible what he does to this players. He did it um, at Borussia Dortmund as well. He we took Lewandowski and turned him into one of the best strikers in the world. It, it's it's unbelievable. He, I think, I think as Will said, he's unrivaled with player development. It's it's just incredible. Um, so that, but Will, Will said something about. Um, uh, Best manager of all time, maybe not saying Jurgen Klopp is the best manager of all time, but where would you rank him in terms of all-time managers? Oh, that's hard.
1: It's it's hard to say during the career. You got it'd be a lot easier when he's retired than that. But he's well on his way to becoming viewed as one of the greats, in my opinion, in terms of what he's doing. You know, he, obviously, I'm, I'm saying this as if if he's keeping this sort of the titles coming and he's keeping rebuilding teams like he is he it, will be up there, one of the best for me. Probably not the best, I think. he will never create something like Alex Ferguson did or Matt Bosby, but he, he's, he's well on his way to being considered one of the
0: best ever, hundred percent. Trent, say he continues this path. Where would where would you rank him compared to the others? Um,
2: it's hard. I think you've I think you've got to have a solid. Uh, like I said, there's been some tremendous managers across like history. I think you've got to have, even though he's been brilliant. We've, we've sat here and spoke about spoke his praises for the last. 10, 15 minutes, but I don't think you can you can properly put him up there with the greats of all time until he's carried on doing that for a few yeah. years. Um, like say the Alex Ferguson's, the managers like say Mourinho, at the, like his coveted um, trophy cabinet across all clubs. Um, but like I say if he carries it on for years and goes to another club and does it as well, then he'll be up
0: there. Yeah, definitely. I think um, we'll, we'll move on from Jurgen Klopp now because we spoke his praise for so long on that. We'll move on to the rest of the Premier League. Um, and Chelsea, um, specifically Chelsea were the ones who ironically and handed Liverpool the title by beating Manchester City. Uh, Frank Lampard, what he's doing at Chelsea, um, we'll talk about the Leicester game, the FA Cup quarterfinal in a minute, but what he's doing at Chelsea in his first season and only his second ever season in management, it, it, it's class. Would you not agree, with?
1: Oh, yeah, it's been really impressive. You know, I think a lot of people had Chelsea down as a write-off season. I think... Barely, not many people predicted him to get European football, but he had no signings to make in his first season in management. And the team he's built, it looks so different to last year, but it really is not, and that's without Eden Hazard. He's really impressive. He's brought through young players. He's developed a lot of players that weren't as good last year. I think he's been really impressive. And to get, you know, European football, which is looking like he probably will. Obviously, it'll be tight, but it's looking like he will. And the FA Cup, possibly, you wouldn't put it past him to win that either. It could be a really impressive first season and only something they can build on.
0: Mm, yeah, Trent, Chelsea. Um, what, what are your opinions on then? What Frank Lampard's done despite the transfer embargo? Well,
2: me and Dad mentioned in the third round actually um, when Chelsea were playing Hull. I think it was we said that we thought they were potentially going on and win the FA Cup. We thought that'd be their year, and I, I can only see them going on to win it now. Like I said, there's four good teams left in. Of course, Arsenal, Man United, Man City, but I think Chelsea got that edge at the minute. And I think they'll be really want to win that competition. And um, because we were saying about Lampard last year at Derby, he had quite an ageing squad there and he did really well, obviously fell short in the final, but against a Villa side who had some brilliant momentum towards the end of the season. But like I'm saying, your first season in management, the championships are a really tough lead to go into, Is to get into the playoff final and then go to a club like Chelsea that are, have got high expectation and a lot of people said they'd finish around 9th, 10th this season at the start of the year and, and they're looking like they could I personally get third now obviously Leicester haven't really started too well since the uh, since after the lockdown and um, yeah as Will was saying like I say players like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham were only really championship players a couple of seasons a couple of seasons before that they had and um, like I say he's, work, he's worked on the shoestring really this year obviously losing such a key cog in Eden Hazard and he, he's bringing in some real quality now and Chelsea look like they're on the up
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'd say Chelsea are 100% a team to watch in the future. I reckon they could really return to uh, their glory days, potentially. I mean, it'd be hard to obviously overthrow Manchester City and Liverpool. Uh, But you mentioned Leicester there, uh, Trent. Leicester not really had the easiest of restarts, um, which I think a a lot of people were shocked by. uh, A 0-0 draw to Brighton um, during the week. Um, In general as well, we'll talk about the FA Cup a little bit more later because I want to try and focus on the Premier League now. Um, But I suppose it's it's almost impossible to avoid it when we're talking about Leicester at the moment. Um, Trent, Leicester City, w- what what do you make of everything going on there?
2: Um, it's tough because uh, during lockdown, obviously they were, they were one of the teams that people said, could they slip off? But I looked at their points and some of the games they had left and I thought they should definitely still get further. They've been consistent all year, but I feel like so far they've looked quite sluggish and a bit slow. They're one of them teams as well as Sheffield United that have looked a little bit, just they haven't really adapted to it and, but against Brighton, I actually think Brighton have been a credit. I know we're knocking Leicester, but I think Brighton have been great since the restart. They've sort of clawed themselves out of trouble. They were they were really in there, and they've been impressive as much as in that game as what as Leicester were poor. But yeah, they just haven't really got going yet. I think they need that win, of course, to to try and propel them, and that we'll have to see what happens after that. But with the points now, they're in a bit of a in a bit of a pickle. Like say Wolves coming up, Man United win their game, and they'll be trying to breathe down their neck. And obviously Chelsea are coming up the league, so. Leicester have got a bit of work to do now.
0: Well, with the top four race um, really being fairly close and being made a lot more interesting by the Manchester City Champions League ban, we're not sure if it will uphold or not. Um, Leicester, it's, it's an interesting time for them to fall into a bad run of form. Do you see it just being a bad run of form or do you think this is something that could potentially stay and become an everlasting problem for Brendan Rodgers?
1: um for me for me it feels like a blip for me i think they've been consistent all season rogers has built a really good squad there you know quality players that i would say are deserving of champions league football um and i, I think they've obviously haven't really got under the races yet uh two draws against clubs you'd consider were both in in a relegation fight is not ideal but for me it, once they get that first win they'll really start getting some momentum and they where they need to they need to prove that they are good enough for the top four top four teams have a blip and then start winning again, and they really need that. But for me, at this moment in time, it's just a blip. I think they'll be fine. They've got a quality squad.
0: Mm, well, I mean, hopefully for Leicester fans, it is just a blip. Uh, but another team that is really rapidly approaching the Champions League places since the lockdown is Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They just beat Villa 1-0, moving themselves into fifth position. Will, I mean, that? That that's I think they've won every every single game since the restart. It's remarkable what they're doing.
1: Oh, they're such a quality side they're so fun to watch honestly we're talking about Leicester and how they you know how they've built a good squad how Rodgers has, Nuno has built something really special there like you know some of the players are so fun, Adama Torre, Jimenez the system they have three at the back works so well they pass the ball so well and honestly I don't think they'd look too out of place in the Champions League but honestly don't, I really think they could hold their own I mean a couple of years ago it's crazy to think they're in the Championship they're you know they're Flight to where they are now is incredible and yeah you wouldn't put it past them the form they're on they look brilliant against uh, West Ham when I saw them and Adama Troy on the form that he is and Jimenez as well you wouldn't put it past them to sneak in there if Leicester or Chelsea start slipping up
0: yeah definitely definitely I mean Wolves Trent what, what do you make of them uh, they, they beat Bournemouth uh, 1-0 the other week as well um, you could say that potentially that's two relegation teams they've beaten um, but they're, they're looking comfortable whenever they play any team at the moment
2: yeah, you can only beat the sides in front of you, and they haven't, uh, like I said, they haven't conceded a goal since the um, since the restart. They don't, they don't score many goals. Wolves in terms of like some of the other teams, but they don't concede many either. Like I so they've got they, the only worry I had at first was they've got quite a small squad. They use only a certain amount of players, but that I think that's why they are so tight knit. They, they have the players at the play, few on the bench, and like I said, they're all so tight knit and great work inside. And I, just a meteoric rise for for Wolves. I remember speaking to my dad on holiday. Um, if the year they went up, and I, we looked in the paper and it said that Wolves had a five year plan to make the Champions League, and they're going to do it even less than that potentially. Like I said, as Wolves said, they wouldn't look out of place there. They've got some fantastic players, and like I said, they're still flying high in the Europa League. They could still win the Europa League and get a pass to that anyway, um, which would throw up even more um, uh, surprises because, like I say, if City don't do it and Wolves win the Europa League, that drops it down yet another spot. Um, but if, but some maybes there. But um, just on the Premier League, it looks like so I think Wolves are a class side and a very uh, viable option for the for the fourth spot. Mm,
0: a very very exciting time to be a Wolverhampton Wanderer supporter. Can you imagine them lifting the Europa League? It would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, it's, but, like, it's like a
1: cream. I'd for career mode or something in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Genuinely, it's it's just the stuff that dreams are made of. But mo- moving moving further down the table, Southampton um, looking look looking fairly decent since the restarters. Um, has commenced, just beat Watford. Uh, Danny Ings on 20 goals this season now. Um, Will, I know that, um, well, it's it's not really Danny Ings, uh, that is the Southampton striker that you love, you've sort of got a, a connection to Shane Long. But Danny Ings, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier this week, what a player he's turning out to be.
2: What's the, yeah, love but, for, what's the love sorry just what's the love for Shane Long just
1: give what you <laughs> um, I've always just for some reason I've always just liked him I think he he goes so under the radar he works so hard right he works hard he, he's a defender's nightmare for some reason I've always just liked him I don't it's one of them weird things Trent I can't really explain uh,
2: that's fair,
1: that's fair enough and also I think this season leading it to my point he's actually brought the best out of things as you said there's been I saw an interview where Long said he sacrifices himself for Ings, getting all the goals. I don't know if he's just trying to make up for the fact that he's not scoring many goals, but um, yeah, Ings, absolute quality. I put it in the group chat, me and Fiora and of our mates, we, I said he'd be on the plane for me if Euros was this summer, 100%. He, 20 goals, you can't argue like that. That's proper goal scoring, and the goals he's scoring aren't just, you know, tappings or whatever people like to say. They're quality goals he makes them himself. Good shot on him, you know. I think he was really good at Burnley. Didn't quite uh didn't quite fire under Liverpool. I think injury stagnated that a bit. But he was always decent off the bench. But yeah, he's a quality player and it'd be interesting whether keep it up next year or whether a big club might come call him because twenty goals a season, that's that's, you know, priceless really.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned a bigger club coming in for him. Trent. Um he's obviously done really well at Burnley, didn't really set his career alight at Liverpool. Um obviously he had Benteke and Firmino in front of him at the time and injury did stagnate his career a lot as Will mentioned but could you you know maybe he does it again next season for Southampton reaches 20 goals surely teams will be coming in for him
2: he's a fantastic striker like I say he didn't he didn't have that time at Liverpool because of the injuries but like, as Will said he came off the bench and he, he still had an impact he's a terrific striker I remember his goal against Norwich the other week it's so hard working and a curling effort and to score that many goals in the Southampton in the Southampton side, but uh, no disrespecting, they're doing well now. But like, say, to have a twenty-goal striker, um, it's brilliant. I-, I think the perfect move for him, if I was looking now, um, would probably be like, say, Wolves that we we're just talking about. They are quite short on striking options, bar Jimenez, and it just seems like the perfect sort of move. They're a cl- club on the up. They're not gonna. He's not gonna have too much pressure in terms of being a, a man playing for a- an Arsenal or Chelsea. Um, something like that but like say a Wolves I think would be a good move for him but obviously he might have to replicate that once again um, but I just think he's a brilliant striker he scores different sorts, sorts, uh, sorts of goals and um, yeah brilliant play. he'd be on the plane for me as well certainly I think he would for everyone really
0: Yeah it'll be interesting to see if he can do it again next season and maybe continue to impress Gareth Southgate because I'm sure he'd be a great backup for Harry Kane um, and uh, potentially Marcus Rashford, even though he tends to play on the wing a little bit more for England. Um, Will, Tottenham Hotspur beating West Ham in the London derby. We were watching it together with our friend, who's a West Ham fan, and our friend who's a, who's a Tottenham fan. A Great result for you.
1: Yeah, we're really happy with that. We needed that, especially, oh, we didn't mention it last week, but the draw against United, obviously a decent result. Man not on the high, but, Nine minutes away from victory, you know, it was a bit. It was a bit of a gutting one. I felt like I lost that one, and I think before the restart we hadn't won in about four matches in the Prem, so it was much needed, especially with some teams around us slipping up. Sheffield United, as you mentioned, and Arsenal slipping up. So we start. I mean, fourth place looks a bit out of reach, but if fifth. I'm not. I'm not holding, holding my breath about uh, European football, but we certainly need that win against the London rival to sort of get momentum going, especially with a big game against Sheffield United on Tuesday. So yeah, very happy with it, and Harry Kane scoring as well was massive because he's had a fair amount of pressure on him, which I don't really
0: understand. But yeah, I was about to say, I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next point. Harry Kane's criticism has been um, it's been heavy. It's been very heavy. Um, Trent, as as somebody who isn't a Tottenham Hotspur fan, what are you making Harry Kane?
2: I love Harry Kane. I think he's a brilliant player. I think because he's set the bar that high, he gets too much criticism. He's been a, every single year, like say, his first season when he scored the goals, he was criticised that he was going to be a one season wonder. Uh, the season after, he was criticised for certain things. And I, people just try and pick at him, but he's, he's been a consistent player for, for both England and Tottenham for years now. He's definitely, I think, well, they're in the top two in the world for me still, definitely for, for, what he, uh, for, for what he offers. Him and Lewandowski for me are the best two in the world, but like say, Will watches him a lot more than what I do, and I'm sure he's got so much love for, for Kane and doesn't understand the criticism at all, but it's nice to see him score again. He needed that and a good win for Tottenham. It's obviously expected. I expected them to beat West Ham, and they're in a bit of a bit of a worry now, West Ham. I, I, they looking quite
0: poor. Yeah, we'll come to the relegation um, battle in just a second. Uh, but Will, Harry Kane, um, he's obviously had not the easiest two uh, years in football, but it's uh, been quite stagnated by injury. Um so do you think he's getting disrespected a lot um, because of that and because of his goal records over the last two seasons um, aren't as good as his goal records for the three seasons before that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the sort of criticism around Harry Kane has always baffled me, if I'm being honest. I feel like he's had it ever since he started, really. I'm not too sure why. You know, his, his quality, his goal-scoring record, even even the last two seasons, then it's not anything to be ashamed of. And they've been riddled with injuries and he's been forced back too early and everything like that. But the player he's become, he's an absolute monster. And I do not He's been unbelievable for us, and he's no doubt a club legend, no doubt. I mean, his scoring record before the two seasons of injury are unbelievable. You know, we're talking 30 goal seasons, 29 goal seasons in the Prem. He's an absolutely incredible player, and one that, if he ever does leave Tottenham, will properly break my heart. But yeah, I've, I, I can't know much to say, but I don't really know why he's sort of viewed in a negative light. Like, I, for instance, if I thought like I'd bring up Harry Kane in the room for the football fans, I'd get more cr- negatives and positives which is a bit weird but maybe i just feel like some spurs fan i don't know if i'm
0: you know I've been a bit yeah wrong. yeah i mean it is it is easy to feel that um, your players getting unfair criticism um in well i mean you might not see it yourself but i actually agree with you i think harry kane receives a lot of unfair criticism and um, considering what he's done not just for tottenham but for england in the world cup getting the the golden is something that hasn't been done uh, for england for at least 20 years before that um and his, his play in general is hold-up play. I liken him very much to Firmino. Obviously not as not as favela, that you know, there's, there's there's not much skill around it. Uh, so perhaps it doesn't get the credit it deserves. And he p- perhaps even plays deeper than Firmino at times. Firmino loves to play in that false nine, whereas Kane genuinely drops into that attacking midfield position. But the balls he plays, his passing is something that is rarely spoken about in general. And um, he, he's, he's a natural goal scorer. He scores goals constantly, but it does feel that you know, people in general. I think it it could potentially be because he plays for Tottenham because Tottenham has always been the club that people always see as a bit of a banter club and recently they've um, you know, haven't really been that banter club as much anymore. Um so maybe people just like to do it for that reason. Um I I liken it very much to um Mo Salah. I remember the first season he had at Liverpool. He he was he was like, Oh yeah, one season Wonder, one season Wonder um just like Harry Kane uh, was receiving after his first season. But I suppose, yeah, go on, sorry,
2: sorry, the thing that gets me the most, though, as you mentioned about England, uh, as we said, he's everyone knows about his record for England as well. But the thing that gets me, England fans have been, or people in England have been calling out for a, a big striker up front for years after, after Rooney sort of thing. Obviously, Rooney scored goals, but they want that man up front. And they've got Kane and they still... Knock him down, like say, even into the World Cup. When you say, "Oh, Kane got the golden boot," people say, "Oh, yeah, it was only tap-ins and penalties." He still scored the goals. Yeah, it, it, it baffles me if he puts the ball in the back of the net and he puts in a performance. I don't, I don't really see the complaints.
0: Mm, yeah, I think a lot of criticism is surrounding the um, the the semi-final achievement for England. Uh, what people tend to say is that they they had a very easy run in. Which, yeah, they did. We did. We did have a very easy run in, but. At the end of the day, Harry Kane can only score against who he's playing against, and he did that easily. Um, but I think we're, we're moving on a, on a bit of a tangent. We'll move back to the Premier League quickly. Um, the relegation battle, West Ham obviously losing, Watford losing, Villa losing. It seems that Brighton have escaped that. Norwich losing as well, but Norwich already seem like they're in the championship. I know we touched on this last week, but it's really heating up down there, isn't it, Trent?
2: Yeah, it is. I, I'd still probably go with the same three that I said uh, last week and I obviously it's only been one more game week to be honest but um, Bournemouth from West Ham with, with of course Norwich for me uh, I, I, I personally think Watford get away scot free from quite a lot of conversations though um, you know I look at their form they had that big win against Liverpool of course but the form's still around then everyone obviously Pearson came in and got results but they still haven't really had a best run looking before lockdown and now and they're still like, I think at the point of the relegation zone so they're by no means out of it. I don't really hear a lot of people shout about them going down and they've been there all year. Um, but like I say, it's gonna, I think it's going to go to the wide. Brighton, still very much in it. We know how much it changes. They've got out of it in two games. They could be back in it in two, three games. But I think results like that and the way they're playing, they'll they'll guide away. But the teams below that, it's going to be a dogfight and it might go to
0: the end of the season for for two places. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Will, have you got anything to add about the relegation battle? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, no, um, last week or the week before when we did the predictions, oh, I, don't, I can't remember if it was week or week before that, but um, I predicted Brighton to go down and they've really surprised me since the restart, actually. They were, oh, I watched the Arsenal game and obviously I loved it, but they were quality. They really dug deep, you know, they created chances, put the Arsenal back under, under a lot of pressure and against Leicester, they stood firm and they, they had the penalty. They could have won the game against Leicester away. So yeah, they have really impressed me. So they, I would say you can't see them slipping back into it for me. They've got a nice little gap now and you'd think they'd be Silly that they're going to get enough points, squeeze enough points out to just about survive. But you look at, you know, the four Watford, West Ham, Bournemouth, and Villa, and it's so hard to predict, really. They're all on the same points, Watford one point ahead. You know, the goal difference is minimal as well. It's really hard to predict. If I was to, I'd probably go with Bournemouth just. But I still, for me, I feel like Watford, West Ham, and Bournemouth have two good squads to go down. But then again, you look at, you sort of, the squads in the Premier League, and it's they're all quality nowadays. The quality in the Premier League is so high. But it has the feelings of a real sort of classic relegation, last day, sort of drama, even without fans, I still think there's going to be drama
0: there. Yeah, hopefully. I think that's something that we'd all, all like to see happen, or, uh, you know, taking it to the wire. Uh, we'll move on to the FA Cup. Um, we've touched on Leicester and Chelsea quite a bit in the Premier League section, uh, but obviously Chelsea beating Leicester 1-0, uh, despite, I'd say, a fairly dominant Leicester performance. And uh, We won't touch on this too much, just because we've mentioned them a lot, um, but did either of you watch the game, the Leicester game? Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. What, what did you make of it, Will?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I thought Leicester played all right. Actually, they really dominated the ball well. Say Chelsea were quite unlucky not to. Um, sorry, Leicester were quite unlucky not to not to score in the first half. If felt you always felt like the goal was coming, but it never did. But fair play to Chelsea. They dug deep, showed a lot of character, like they have in this whole season, really. And Ross Barkley, you know, a player that is on the bench scores, which shows us they're good squad depth, and they'll be delighted they're in they're in the semis. But Leicester will be gutted because that was a good opportunity there to go to a semis and imagine top four and an FA Cup. That'd be unbelievable. But yeah. Chelsea through they're played to them. You could argue they deserve it, but you know, Leicester did dominate the ball
0: really well. Yeah, Leicester not reaching a FA Cup semi-final since 1982, which is quite an interesting stat considering their recent domination in football as well. Um, Trent, obviously Chelsea winning the game, that perhaps possession-wise they didn't deserve to win, but they dug deep, they um, switched to youth for experience at half-time and went out there and got the result. Um, it really just does speak volumes about Frank Lampard, I think, that result. Uh, but yeah, um, Trent, uh, what, what do you make of the game, uh, the Leicester-Chelsea game?
2: Yeah, like I say, it was a game I was really looking forward to. Of course, Leicester-Chelsea, both in the Champions League uh, places, and there was going to be switch-up of sides. And as you both mentioned, like I say, Chelsea didn't see much of the ball, but to still grind out and win the game like that, I think Leicester will Phil agreed that they didn't take it too extra time or get a draw or anything out of it. Um, but Chelsea move on. Of course, fans won't be able to go. Um, to the semi-final at Wembley, but Leicester would have loved that. Um, still, what the players in a day out at Wembley? Um, but yeah, Chelsea progressing. They've got a really good chance of going on and potentially winning that now, as we mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, they are facing Man United in the in the next round of the cup, the semi-final. Uh, Man United beating Norwich to get through um, a game that they were expected to win, but perhaps uh, took the harder harder route to get there. Uh, Will, did you watch the game?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I watched every FA Cup game. What a life I live. But um, uh, you know what? To be fair to Norwich, I thought they dug really deep in that game and I felt quite sorry for them and they two minutes away from penalties. But Man United, as they do recently, they've found a way to get a result and fair play to them. I think the red card really hindered Norwich. He felt like without the red card, they possibly could have seen the extra time. Maybe even grab a goal, you never know, on the counter because Man United are really pushing for it. But once again, I felt like Paul Pop would change that game. Again, he came on, pulled a lot of strings. He's looking... A lot better since this restart for me. The Spurs game was absolute quality. Sheffield United, he looked he looked good as well. Link up in my really nice. But yeah, fair play to United. Just a, uh, say they dominated the ball, made some good good chances. But yeah, fair play to them.
0: Yeah, Manchester United versus Chelsea in the first round of the FA Cup semi-finals. Trent, if you had to give a prediction, uh, who are you giving it to?
2: Oh. Um... I think it's really hard he gets to semis because like say one game Wembley uh, big stadium with no fans like say it was weird watching the playoff final with no, with no fans today in, that, in a big stadium like that um, obviously Man United will put a lot more quality out than they did against Norwich I'll be interested to see if they start a gala in a, in a semi-final like say every game he has come in and played since he's, since he's coming he's actually scored and performed relatively well um, I would edge Chelsea uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Man United didn't win because I feel like they'll really want to win some silverware this season and the FA Cup is obviously a big chance of doing that
0: yeah definitely definitely uh, moving on to the Sheffield United Arsenal game uh, a game that was you know another loss for Sheffield United since the restart I mean I'm, I can't remember which one of you two predicted that um, Sheffield United before. it was me yeah
1: it was me I had to say I had a feeling they'd fall off
0: mm, yeah well you, you've been proved absolutely right that it, it seems that uh, Champions League football is completely out of the question it would just be a battle, for, a battle for if they can get the last spot of Europa now Um but yeah, and, and they've fallen out of the, of the FA Cup, a competition that I'm sure Chris Wilder would have been keen to go as far as possible in uh, losing to Arsenal. It was, it was a loss that was surrounded by a little bit of controversy as Sheffield United have experienced recently with the goal line. Um, and now VAR, a, a penalty given to Arsenal that perhaps could have been seen either way, uh, disallowed goals as well for Sheffield United. But at the end of the day, it's another loss for the Blades and Arsenal are through to the next round. Will, you said you what you've watched every game. What did you make of this one?
1: Yeah, it was a good game. I wrote about this game for the UOD actually. It was a good game to cover. I mean the last minute goal when you have to get an article out thirty minutes late it was a bit of a nightmare, but it is what it is. You've got to roll with the punches. But yeah, it was a good game. It was like four, you know, two goals in the last four minutes. To be fair to Arsenal they dug really deep, you know. Their defending wasn't perfect again, but you don't expect it to be nowadays. But yeah, they dug real deep, and it's such a shame for Sheffield United. Talk about Leicester trinity, getting the semi-finals for Sheffield would have been huge. Obviously, they'd face Man City, which was a really tough game, but that would have been amazing for them. But yeah, since the restart, they just haven't quite got going. But fair play to Arsenal, getting they got they love the FA Cup, don't they? They during Wenger these last sort of years, they were winning it a lot, while well, not quite achieving what they wanted to. But yeah, I don't fancy them against City personally. I don't think many do, but fair place for them for digging deep and getting that last minute goal showed a lot yeah. of character
0: yeah Trent Arsenal through to the semi-final of the FA Cup it does seem to be their competition uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I think they are the most uh, the team that's won the FA Cup the yeah most they times. are they have yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah Arsenal through to the next round Trent um, against Manchester City obviously uh, but Arsenal this is a, a silver lining for quite a, a poor season for them would you agree Trent?
2: yeah I it swings both ways for Sheffield United and Arsenal I think that will give Arsenal have boosted, you know, they've been poor in the league recently, slipping down, poor position. And, uh, you know, if they can keep keep them going in the FA Cup, they've got, like I say, unfortunate with a draw. But if they throw over Finn Manchester City, you've got to have a go and you never know on the day, Arsenal. Um, Like I said, they really needed that. And and as for Sheffield United on their sense, you know, they've not came back from the restart very well. I'm sure they've massively took quarterfinals of the FA Cup in the league position they are. But, you know it's a bit sorry to see Sheffield United do it because they've built up so far at the start of the season. Now, like I say, as you said, that it's going to be a battle for maybe seventh place now and falling out of that as well in, in the fashion that they did. Um, you just worry it might be a might be a downward slope from now. But as you we say, it's a credit to Arsenal. As well said, it's great character. And um, i say he sets up a date against Man City. And they love the FA Cup, so they will have more. Uh, Want want to add one more.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Manchester City in the final, beating Newcastle, a fairly routine win. Uh, But Newcastle held their own for a lot of the match, Will.
1: Yeah, they did. They did, to be fair. Yeah, so City were, City were quality, no doubt about it. They, the way they were passing the ball, especially in that those first 30 minutes, were unbelievable. Kevin De Bruyne again, scoring. What a player he is. It was a penalty, but what a player. But Newcastle held their own. They had a great chance to, to equalise the game, which could have thrown the game. We could have been talking about something completely different right now, but not much to say, really. City were just quality. And for me, watching that game, I don't know about um, you two, if you did watch it, but I was thinking, how has this team not competed for the title? I mean, they are an unbelievable team when they're fully fit. They really are.
2: Eight, yeah. like I, say, I think it's eight defeats in the Premier League now for City this season, which is unbelievable. But one thing I took from the, from the City, uh, City-Newcastle City game, another assist for Phil Foden. Like I say, when he does play, he produces. um I say whenever he turns out. And I'd love to see either a low move away to somewhere or to actually push himself into the Manchester City team. It's just so hard because they have that much quality in the centre of midfield. It's hard for him, but he does keep producing and it's a, it's a young English talent that we've we spoke about for a few years now. And he, he's just consistent when he does play and such a great side.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I don't think Phil Foden will get a low move away just because I think Pep Guardiola, I think he said he's one of the most naturally talented footballers he's ever worked with. And, you know, that is such a praise considering... Uh, the players that Guardiola has worked with. But um, I think Phil Foden is an unbelievable player and will go on to do unbelievable things in football. But I think maybe moving him out to a different team on loan wouldn't actually be the best thing for his career. I think being surrounded by the quality of Pep Guardiola and the Manchester City team, as well as getting game time here and there and seemingly doing really well whenever he comes on is only building um, him as a player. Um, I feel like if you put him in a team because I think they'd loan him out to a lower down Premier League team, let's say Bournemouth, for example, I actually don't think that I'd benefit him. I think he would be in a team where he's not on the ball a lot um, and would have to develop parts of his skill that, um, well, parts of his game that maybe he doesn't necessarily need to develop if he's going to have a career at Manchester City as an attacking player. Um, he wouldn't be on the ball as much. He w- he definitely wouldn't get as many goals and assists. Um so I think for Phil Foden, potentially the best thing f- for his career is to stay at Manchester City. But yeah, any anyway, uh, Manchester City, a date at Wembley. Can they go on and win another uh, domestic English Cup? You, you'd like to think so, Will, um, considering they are miles ahead of any other team in the competition.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, without that, they're the favourites. And you feel like, obviously, every team in the competition will want to win it. But you feel like City, you know, to say... I think Pep, for his ego, would love to say he's done, it. He's done the double. So when everyone criticises, oh, you'd let Liverpool 20 points behind, he would say, well, I've done the double. You know, it, it, you can't really argue with that. And, you know, Carabao Cup and FA Cup, yes, but it's still impressive. You know, he's still winning trophies, even without quite getting the Premier League season. So I think Man City would be really motivated to win it, and you would not put it past them at all. I think if I was doing a prediction, no one asked, but I'd say... I say I say City Chelsea final. I say City Chelsea final. That feels like the way it's going for me. But it was a weird game. Football was a weird game.
0: Yeah, Trent, would you agree with that prediction? Yeah, City
2: Chelsea, and then like I say it'll be who's better on a day. I think City though, like I say just that squad depth they've got. Even if with the influx of games that we've got from here till the end of the season, even if they have injuries in the Premier League, they've got that much squad depth that they can fill in and and play different players in, in the cup as well. Like I say big injuries to players. They'll still be able to fill in in the final. They're the favourites, quality squad, and as Will said, Pep will want to add another trophy to his CV.
0: I'm going to contradict both of you actually and say it's going to be an all Manchester final. I think um, Manchester City shouldn't have a problem dispatching Arsenal in the semis, but I think Manchester United versus Chelsea is such an even matchup at the moment. I'd say obviously Chelsea edge it as favourites, but um, and honestly. I'd say eight times out of ten, I'd have this Chelsea team to beat Man United. But I don't know why. I've just got a feeling that um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is just going to pull something out of the bag and just tip um, Man United into the final. I think Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba really starting to build something in midfield. Um, And I think at Wembley, a date at Wembley could be the perfect opportunity to really showcase that. Um, But we'll move on to the Championship. I feel like we've talked about the FA Cup and the Premier League loads um, at, at the start of this podcast. So the Championship. Uh, the first game we'll talk about, Brentford beating West Brom. Now, West Brom haven't had the the best of restarts, drawing their first game and now another loss. Um, Trent, there's no way they could fall out of the top two, surely.
2: Um, I'm not too sure. You know, like say West Brom had a great start, Brentford looked really, really sharp. Um, I remember saying I, I said to Will before the podcast that Brentford are a team I really feel has been in and around there, and they're such a great side, you know, the BMW that everyone talks about, uh Embuemo, Watkins, Watkins, such a natural goal scorer. We've got to remember it's, it's only his first season as a striker, and he's added another goal to his tally. And and Brentford were definitely deserved a victory. And I think it's only five points now, so I've seen stranger things happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Brentford have, have been a team this season that I really, I'd say, surprised a lot of people. I didn't predict Brentford to do as well as they are doing. Uh, will Brentford a, wi- a will against uh, a will, <laughs> a win against uh, West Brom now? Um, incredible result for them.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to. You know, I said it about Sheffield as well, but I did. I was predicting Brentford to win to win the playoffs. So I think they have the best squad, and I think they're the most exciting team in there. I, I really think their quality, and they were brilliant against West Brom. You know, a team with so much Premier League quality in there. And I'd love to see Brentford go on and do it. And I don't see any reason why they can't. They're full of talent. They really are. They're really exciting to watch as well. I don't know where if they do go up. Obviously, it's a massive if. But I don't know how they'd struggle off. Like a lot of their players are Championship quality, but not quite Premier League quality. I don't know if any of you agree with that. But
2: it's yeah. a tough one as well with Brentford in the sense of uh, how they're going to adapt to the new stadium. You know, it's come under a lot of criticism with them moving away to a, a neutral ground that's going to host like women's and youth football. Um, and obviously with Griffin Park being their own for so long it's, a, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare there because that's a, it's a big ground for them they've got a good home form there um, but like I say, great, a great side and we'll have to see if they adapt whether that's in the Championship or the Premier League at that new ground
0: Yeah, that's Brentford moving up to third place now uh, Fulham dropping down after Leeds thrashed them 3-0 um, this puts Leeds obviously first by quite a margin now and it, it's a worrying time for them. You know they they've moved down to fifth um, in the table, and even more worrying than that, uh, Mitrovic, obviously a, a player who's done really well in in the Premier League and in, in the Championship in the past, um, elbowing someone deliberately to get a free match ban. Trent, it's just, I mean, what, what do you make of it?
2: Well, I think it's the sort of thing you've come to like. It's the sort of thing that comes to fruition when Mitrovic picks up too many red cards. Obviously, he won the red card, but it was looked at after the game and the right decision. You know, he was staring right at him when he elbowed him in the face. And that's not what you want from you, from the top goal scorer in the league. You know, he's Fulham's main man. And to do that at the end of the season when you need him most is is really poor. And, and like I say, Fulham, they were actually the better team in the first half, against Leeds. But, you know, Leeds always have possession and Fulham outed them for that. But they just never really looked like scoring. They had the ball, didn't do anything with it. And... uh Leeds' quality shone through and, and killed Fulham off. And like I said, they've got some tough games still remaining. Forest, West Brom, and the, I think Derby still to play. So they've got some tough games and then might slip down even more, I, I think, with Mitro being out and a couple of other players looking a bit shaky.
0: Yeah, as, as Trent mentioned there, Will, Mitrovic, free match ban, he's, he's out for the Forest game, a crucial game, um, considering you know for, for where everyone finishes in the playoffs. Um, just how important is that for Fulham?
1: massively important it's been an absolutely nightmare start for them i mean you looked at their fixtures i mean it was a really t- tough fish sticks overall but the first two games you've got brentford and leeds haven't scored a goal and i think they exceeded about i think it was 2-0 and then 3-0 it's awful start especially with their star striker who i think is widely received as the best striker in the championship and i would say it's premier quality, 100 percent. being out for three games being forest on the same points you know forest only beating them on goal difference you really feel like Fulham are only going on a downward slide now. I don't know whether it will continue, but without Mitro, I think they're really going to struggle. They are struggling. They were struggling with him, so we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. But you feel like Fulham could be that team that just slip up and then someone else comes in, but it'd be nice.
0: Yeah, and it's as I've mentioned a lot now, that he is missing the Forest game. Uh, but Nottingham Forest back with a win after dropping two points um, in the first game since the restart. Uh, a win against Huddersfield. A convincing win, would you say, Trent?
2: Yeah, I was really impressed. Like I say, the Wednesday game was a really slow game. You know, one of them games you expect at, at first. And now we came back here. The first 10, 15 minutes were a bit slow, just getting into it. But I thought we played really well. You know, the, the ball in from Worrell for a centre-half, grabbing on the volley. And then an awful defending from Huddersfield in the second he fair, grabbing going through. Um, and then Ryan Yates tapping home. You know, everyone knows my opinion on Yates. He's not my favourite player. But, you know, he's come on and, and added a couple of goals this season. But, yeah, I, I was really happy with the, dis- the display um, a bit worrying for Huddersfield, you know, they slipped down into the relegation zone now. So we'll get onto that in a bit. But like I say, it's great to be back with a win, but we've got uh, some tough games coming up now. So we'll see how we get through them.
0: Mm, well, you've put yourselves in a good position. You're now fourth, just two points behind Brentford. But saying that, I mean, you're only four points away from dropping out of the playoffs. It's, the championship is just incredible like that. Uh, teams on the edge of the playoffs include Preston and Derby. Uh, Blackburn Rovers uh, Derby in particular really shining um, since the restart a win versus Millwall and now a 2-1 uh, win versus Reading uh, Wayne Rooney again scoring just how important of a signing was that from Coco um, Trent?
1: Oh,
2: like I say Rooney's been remarkable for, for not just Rooney just for his influence on the squad I think like I say um, Derby have been the uh, like best form in the league I think they're top of the league since January in, t- in terms of looking at the table and um I- it's hard because they've got a really hard running in terms of games left, but, you know, they've brushed off a couple of sides already. And at the minute, they look like the team to come through. Cardiff have looked impressive since the restart. But I think, you know, obviously with the East Midlands, Derby coming up this weekend, hopefully we can um, sort of slow their momentum a little bit. Um, that might kill it off slightly if they, if they fall to defeat the there. But at the minute, I'd say out of the teams on the outside, that's probably who, um, who Cardiff are fearing to get into that sixth spot maybe.
0: Mm. Will could you see Any of these teams uh, Pinching the sixth spot Or do you think Cardiff Will go on and secure that
1: I mean it's so hard to predict We said it two weeks ago Like you just can't predict The championship one week Something will happen The next week I'll you know The, the complete opposite thing Will happen But Derby do seem Like they are the team or oh, we've mentioned it before, the team that always rises up and just nicks like Northampton, as I'm sure we'll get we'll get on to. But yeah, Derby look like the team they're going to be. They've got a young squad. They've been brilliant at home all season, to be fair. I think they've got the second best record at home or even the best, I'm not sure. But yeah, their away form beating Mill was a quality result. And then Reading got young players coming through and you know, Rooney's influence. They feel like next year, you feel like if they don't get it next, um, this year, next year could be a year where they really finally sort of make a good stake for promotion to the Premier League.
2: Just a couple of sides I was, I was a bit shocked on, like say Millwall. You looked at their run and they've slipped their five points out now. I think now I thought they were really gonna kick on with the, with the teams they had to play, and then Bristol City they were they were poor before the lockdown, but they've really slipped off now. I can't see them really being in the race much longer. I think one more loss for them and, and points above, I think might see them out of it.
0: Yeah, my uh, my prediction of Bristol City making the playoffs <laughs> and getting promoted is really just crashed. You know, about the L- <laughs> yeah, they're
1: out thirteenth, twelfth
0: now. Yeah, they they're they're sitting pretty sitting pretty in twelfth, but um yeah, that that prediction for me is is not one of my final ones. Uh moving on to the relegation battle in the championship. A big week for both Charlton and for Luton, um, getting three points, um, respectfully for both of them. Um while Huddersfield are losing, Barnsley are Pretty much already, already relegated. Whole city is still marooned down there. Stoke and Middlesbrough have now been overtaken by Charlton. Uh, Trent, it's it's really heating up down there.
1: Yeah,
2: I feel for Barnsley in a sense because they've got four points from the two games, but it was, they just they were just that far behind. I still don't think they'll have the points with the, with the other teams around them. Luton maybe a little bit more. I know they're close to Barnsley, but you know with um, Jones coming back in. You know, you sense that maybe with some of the games they have left, they might be able to claw themselves out. Maybe an ask, but we'll, we'll see. Huddersfield, obviously not just going off our performance, but recent ones as well, they are looking poor. They'll be looking over their shut-up, well, they're in there now. But um, Stoke as well, big club down there. They've looked really poor, even with the change of manager a couple of months ago. Um, and, and Hull as well, as you mentioned. I'm happy to see Charlton climb away because obviously all the situation there, no Lowell Taylor. Um, but players have come in and filled really well in from there. I think Lee he's done well to, to get the side going after what's
0: happened. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's he's done well to um uh, to really motivate them after the restart, especially. Um, will uh, championship relegation battle? What can you see happening?
1: What can I see happening? Oh, I'm making a lot of predictions today. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Hull. I feel like Hull will be the team. I think. Geez, I would even write off Barnsley and Luton in the I'll be honest, Barnsley have look decent since I just said trent got four points Luton one. I think Barnsley about was it five points off now five points off safety I think Luton about four you wouldn't even write that off at this point but I would put them down I think that'd be stupid of me to do anything else but I think Hull will be the team that slip in there their recent form is awful isn't it I mean they're on a really bad run of form and they've got the financial situation as well but for me they feel like the team that are going to are going to slip into in. so it. I think Huddersfield will just survive and they've just got enough quality. But really bad season from Huddersfield considering they've just come down from the Prem. You know, awful season.
2: Just seen it, it's Bar- Barnsley are only four points from safety now, which has like, got them a lot closer. Really? Like, yeah, four four points for Barnsley, three for Luton. So they've clawed themselves back into contention. Uh, so I mean,
1: no one's written off, unlike Norwich, no one's really written off yet, I'd say.
2: One team I think will uh, steer clear now is uh, is Middlesbrough, obviously bringing in Neil Warnock. I can't see a team going down with Neil Warnock. I think that, getting rid of Woodgate was definitely the right idea. He always looked out of his depth.
0: Mm, yeah, obviously the appointment of Neil Warnock back into management, he always seems to stay around, doesn't he? Um, how do you think it will do, Trent?
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does next year. What sort of budget he gets? Because Middlesbrough seem to like cut cut their losses a bit over the last few years. Maybe the parachute payments have dried up since they've come down. Um, but Neil Warnock's never going to get a side relegated. I think like he'll steer him a bit clear. Um, maybe around an 18th, 17th place finish. But either, either way, it's been an underwhelming season. But I think if they can they stay up, which I think they will, then they'll be happy for now. There's no more, not, not much else they can do.
0: Mm. Neil Warnock, Will, do you think he could push on with Middlesbrough or do you reckon they'll still stay around that relegation tide next year if they stay up?
1: Yeah, first of all, I, I, he, won't, he won't, he will not let him go down. He, he's a relegation escape master. He, he's great at that. That's, that's his bread and butter. But, you know, I say everyone, went off, no one saw him doing what he did with Cardiff. And so I don't know if it may be, I'm not saying it's good. That doesn't mean he will do it with Middlesbrough as well. But I wouldn't completely write him off saying, oh, he's not going to get him promoted. Depending on the sort of budget, as Trent says, he gets. We could possibly see something similar. I wouldn't put it past him. He's a very experienced manager. I do think it's a good appointment that Jonathan Woodgate. Love him as a Spurs fan, but didn't quite work out for him at all. I think it was the right decision, and yeah, he'll definitely keep him up. And it's a very interesting thing to look out for next year with Neil Warnock, seeing what he does and what kind of ambitions he has with the club.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely, because as as the championship always is, you never know what's going to happen. And I feel like Neil Warnock is just always a story or. Well, it's, it's always something waiting to happen with Neil Warnock. So um, I'm sure we'll all be very excited to see what happens there. Uh, the League 2 playoff final. Um, Northampton get promoted um, after just, um, you know, I mean, they shouldn't have even really been in the final uh, when you think about it after being 2 nil down the first leg to Cheltenham. But they just absolutely dismantled Exeter 3-0 with ease, it seems. Uh, my prediction of Exeter going up, again, another prediction that hasn't come in. Uh, Trend. I know. I know you were reporting on the game. What, you know, what did you make of it?
2: Well, I just just before the pod, I remember me and you just briefly spoke about it, Theo and how poor Exeter were, but how good Northampton were as well. Like, say, they put uh, put Exeter to the to the sword from uh, from from the minute go. And like, I say, I, I I couldn't think of a more depressing club to support in a sense right now. Like, say, three playoff final losses in four years. That's. Unbelievable, But like, said, so Dean Moxie's challenge in the second half. I, I don't have a clue what he was doing to, to do that. I don't know if you boys saw the tackle. No, I didn't. No, I I didn't. didn't. He, it was a really
1: he, reckless on it. Reckless.
2: There's no need to do the tackle. He, he's slightly, he's like a walking pace pretty much. And he flies in when you're 2-0 down. That's not what you want from an experienced player. But overall, brilliant from Northampton. What a story. Like, say, 2-0 down, having to go away to Cheltenham. To win three 0 and like I say that Callum Morton up top online from West Brom, he had eight goals in twelve games, twenty years old, and scored two in the uh, semi final and one in the one in the final, so he's looking brilliant. Yeah, Fair yeah. play to Northampton.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure your mate is. Uh, is delighted. He called
2: four nil at half time. He said, "Watch it end four nil," and he did. So. I was like, "Fair play, You've better a prediction to what
1: we are. <laughs> well, you say that. I also, I did say last week the Northampton carp as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but yeah, they were quality. I couldn't believe it. I mean, things I said last week about, um, you know, the pressures all on Exeter, and Northampton have the, I would say, a lot more momentum considering the comeback. I think came true. Exeter, I think that red card summed it up. I think. They were very frustrated from the off. I feel like they had a lot more on their back. You could feel it. And the Northampton just played off the park. They were quality and they just creeped into the playoffs. But for me, it just speaks volumes about how good the playoffs are. And it's not just the fans and the atmosphere that makes it. Anything can happen in the playoffs. When there's that much on the line, crazy things happen. And not I wouldn't say not many people would have predicted Northampton to go up based on the playoffs they had, beating Cheltenham. I had Cheltenham to go up. That was one prediction I got wrong. But... Um, yeah, quality from them. Fair play to them. The comeback in this. Brilliant. They'll be so happy.
2: Do you, do you, think, do you always think, though, if, if you have that many uh, falls at a final hurdle like Exeter have, you know, they've been up there for years and you fall again now. Do you think the the obviously, is a bit a bit till the new season starts? But do you reckon the confidence of that, of not going up so many times, we'll see them drop off eventually?
0: I mean, it can't do anything positive for them, can it? You know, I mean, getting get into the final three times in recent years and not getting over the line once... It, you know, it can't do anything good mentally for them. Um, I mean, the finances of getting to Wembley and getting fans there two out of the times, so obviously, are going to help the club. But, you know, players aren't going to want to stick around if they know that the club has got a record by that. Go on, Trent, go call
2: Yeah, especially, like I said, a couple of good players that they've got this year. And, and you know, they've probably bought into that model that they've been up there that many years. And as you say, if you're playing for a team that are up there so many times but don't... See that end goal, you're going to be frustrated in the end. And I think they could see players leaving it and fall
1: off a little bit. Yeah, this is this is. I mean, they get the playoffs fair enough, but the thing is, when it happens one or two times, I'm I'm going to relate it back to Spurs. I'm sorry, but there, there creates an aura creates an aura around it. So, so, and now the third playoff, no matter what, whoever they're playing it's an advantage to the other team because they're already thinking we can't lose it a third time and then we can't lose it a fourth time, can't lose it a fifth time, etc. And with Spurs, it was the same with the FA Cup semi-finals. We were going into it thinking not again, surely, while the other team already has an advantage because we're already putting the pressure on ourselves. And it can only be a negative thing. I think exactly you said, why would a player come to Exeter when they have a history of not bottling it, but just not quite getting over the line, you know, having good seasons, but not quite getting over the line. It's nothing but a bad thing. There's free promotion spots available in that league and they're not quite getting it, and they're not getting up. It, it's not looking good for them. I mean, we'll have to see what they do next season. They'll be watched with eager eyes, I think.
2: And there's a lot made of it, obviously, this year, with the, like them not doing it three times. If they get there again and lose for a fourth time, then that's there's something wrong
1: then there's something wrong within the club then surely that has been four four times in a row and i would say most times their squad has been good enough especially with ollie watkins that that season i don't know how they didn't go up because they had a quality team that yeah i don't know how they haven't quite gone up there and or this season i would say they're one of the favorites this year as well
0: yeah it's interesting they seem like one of those teams that the only way they're ever going to get promoted is if they somehow get in an automatic place um my dad sent me a text i'm i'm after um uh, after the loss, I'm not sure if it was a jokey one or not because he's a Sheffield United fan. But he said, um, that it seems that clubs that play in did he say statistically? Wait, I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, he said, Did you know that teams in red and white stripes have always lost in the playoffs finals? Like, um, Sheffield United, Brentford, Lincoln, Sunderland. It, it does. I, I looked at that and looking at it now, it is a jokey text. But Sheffield United are, are a team that always struggled in playoff finals. The only way they got promoted was by, um, uh, winning league one and then getting an automatic in the championship i don't know maybe maybe there's something in that i thought it was a stat at first that's why i read it out but it, it seems to be a joke text um but but not, not northampton town um into the into league one how can you see them doing next season trend
2: we're waiting for a scott pollock masterclass for northampton
1: <laughs> he, went, he went on the bench wasn't he i was waiting to see him oh, on the bench
2: i was looking at that like say um yeah, they've got, they've got some white little players. Like, I say, you, you're, I think most people will know Sam Hoskins. Obviously, around the bottom of the, in the league one, league two region. Um, obviously, they'll, they'll they'll lose him next year. But that, like I say, that Callum Morton up top looks like really bright. But Northampton, second time of asking in league two. Um, they've had they had a shot at league one the other year. And like I say, after after riding the wave at the end of the year, I'm sure they'll feel confident if they get a couple of signings to potentially stay up.
0: Yeah, definitely. They. I mean, it's it always seems the case with teams that just sneak into the final playoff place that they're almost written off for next year, thinking, oh, well, they've only just got in the playoff place. They're not going to be good enough to stay up next year. Uh, but can you see them staying up with?
1: Yeah, I don't, there's no reason why they can't. I mean, quality-wise, you say they haven't got anything on the other playoff teams or, you know, Plymouth and the other teams that got uh, automatically promoted. But in league football, anything that can happen, two signings can completely change a team. You know, two signs of real quality can change a team. So we'll have we'll have to wait and see. It should be an interesting one. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think definitely.
2: One thing I will say though, I think we a little bit. I feel there will be a little more quality in League One next season. Not that no disrespect, but like say, this year, obviously Southend and Bolton completely cut a drift at the bottom. There's two teams gone. Berry obviously got, uh, not being in the league. That's that's three relegation spots pretty much gone for the season. So it's only one one that you really obviously looked at and thought they could go down. So we'll have to see how they fare. I think there's going to be a few more teams obviously scrapping about next year. It's going to be a lot closer at the bottom.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of an unneeded dig at Southend there. But Can
1: I just I say, Theo, know, yeah. even better news, are you going to, travel to do the 400-mile round journey to Exeter next season, yeah?
0: Oh, my God, yeah, I can't wait. I was, <laughs> I was so hoping Exeter won that game because I was like, Northampton, whether I'm in Southend or I'm in Derby, it's sort of in the middle. So it will be a good game to go to, but, yeah. Unfortunate. Go in, go in. Well, um, that, I think that's just about it um, for the football this week. Um, so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed this, boys. I think it's been another good podcast so far. But um, moving on to what we've been doing towards the end of every podcast recently, uh, the Fantasy Football League, the Fantasy Premier League. Um, we all had very good season, uh, good weeks this week. Um, Will, as you're still at the bottom, uh, despite another game week, um, I'll let you talk about it.
1: Well, again, uh, you might as well just play my take from last week. I got 74 points and I've only gained three points on Trent. Me and Trent have too many similar players. I've got two transfers. I need to switch it up because I need pl- I need. To take the boy out of captain because I think I'm, I'm like 20 points behind Trent. Is that am I right in saying that 15 something like that?
0: Um, wait, let me let me get the table up.
1: Okay, well, that's the thing. I, I, I I'd I got 84 points last week, 74, and I've gained nothing probably lost points if anything because Trent had an absolute quality week last week. It's gotten, yeah, and it looks like I'm heading towards the fourth. I'm being honest, how many game weeks left? Is that eight? Well, like seven, yeah, something eight, like that.
0: There's eight, and we're in the 30th. Yeah, so
1: now. it's not looking good. I need to change. I need to. My triple captain's gone. It's looking bleak, mate.
0: Trent, do you think there's any way that Will can catch up to you? Obviously, he caught up by three points this week, but he's still 18 points behind you. So,
2: 18 points. I'm feeling a bit of a cushion now. I was a bit worried at the start because depending on the restart, seeing so how it go, I'm looking at my team. I've made a couple of changes out. Um, Danny Ings has gone in there and he's a batsman. and then Marshall have put him for Traore I think uh, but Alexander Arnold and De Bruyne doing the doing the bits for me this week well obviously Will Adam as well but no I'm, fancy, I'm fancying myself to still definitely get second and Will's going to be wearing an Arsenal shirt for a night out and in the elite uh, class
1: uh, I, Trent I reckon we should do it for the pod as well wear it for a pod so yeah, it's just recorded so it's recorded forever I, I don't know why I'm saying that <laughs> the point I'm, I'm like, but it probably make more sense yeah, it's, yeah. Buy,
2: it's buying the actually spending money on a, on a rival kit that's going to do me the most. But well,
1: actually, like, it's just horrible. It? Can I, can how, I,
0: wait, how are you boys going to do it? Are you going to go in the club shop? or? I'm, I'm not
1: going to go club shop. I'll probably just get like an old one for like eBay or something. Yeah, I'll probably buy an
2: old one for like probably a couple of seasons. Ago. Give eBay, so give eBay the down. money, not
1: Arsenal. Give eBay
2: yeah,
0: the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm
1: not funding the club. By <laughs> the way,
0: Will, I'm thinking now it's looking more and more likely it's going to be you in an Arsenal shirt. One thing I want to put on record, I'm not going to allow you to borrow one of our mate's kits, uh, Sam's kit. I'm not allowing it. You have to go out there and you have to buy your own kit. Well,
1: so I can't, if I borrow Sam's kit and wear it in a club, it's not good enough.
0: No, no, you have to buy it. You have to buy the
1: kit. It's all part of it. It's all this part is of har- it. This is harsh. This is harsh, I'll tell
0: you that. <laughs> he's going to be a good
2: £20 down here with a £10 that he's got to Yeah, on.
1: I know. So shirt to... A lot nowadays, you know. I can't believe I'm spending that much money, man. That's a joke. And I've got to pay take with the because we've got yeah. to give him 20 if he wins and he's about 100 ahead, isn't he? Yeah, so. I'm
0: glad you mentioned that because I got the most points this week. Only by two, but, you know, a win's a win. 76 points for me. Salah, captain. Both of you have De Bruyne as captain. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, considering you're going, going head-to-head, you both selected De Bruyne as captain. I think, you know, a player like Mo Salah, who is a winger, but they put him in midfield. Um, is always going to get goals and a goal and assist against Crystal Palace. I'm getting in 11 points and, uh, you know, that's 22 points for me. So I'm, I'm loving life at the top of the table.
2: I think but, that's uh, been all year. I have been
0: all I've just
1: been silly the whole time. Like, I've just not played it right. I've put in, I've not, tra- I've been not transferring injured players. I've been lazy with it. And to be honest, I think I deserve it. I think I deserve it. It's been poor for me from the start.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember there was a time where um, we were at uni and me and Trent were like really like into it. We were, like, oh, oh, I man. just gave up, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you were like, oh, I can't be bothered and you, I'm, like, you, you knew the forfeit as well and you were just like, just ignored it. You've got
1: to accept defeat sometimes in life. Mm-hmm. L- Lundstrom injury is interesting. Are you guys going to transfer him out?
2: I ain't got the transfers at the minute. I've made my two.
1: Have you? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've,
0: oh. he, he's not out for too long, is he? Nah,
1: I think game. he might miss the next game. Though. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking yeah. but.
0: Well, I've got the transfer, so it might be something I do. I forgot to transfer out Dean Henderson when he was playing against Man United. Um, but so yeah, that I, I could do. It. I mean, to be honest, I don't really like not not being cocky or anything, but I don't really need to look at it too much because I'm so far ahead. Not
1: <laughs> but, being cocky, but I'm <laughs> just about to be cocky. Big flex.
0: Big flex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, we'll end it there. But just before we do end it, um, news that recently came out. Um, Andrew Andre Wisdom. Sorry, I said his name wrong there. Andre Wisdom um, stabbed and robbed um, whilst visiting his family in Merseyside obviously something that is horrible Um, we're not sure what condition he is in right now Um, but we all everyone on the podcast hopes that he gets through this um, you know and gets back to health as soon as possible It's, it's a terrible thing that's happened to him and we all wish him a very speedy recovery um, but yeah, on on, on that note, um, thank you all for watching and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday, hopefully if this one gets out tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, see you then.